Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, the only healthcare marketing podcast that digs into the digital strategies and tactics that help you accelerate growth. Each week, Cardinals experts explore innovative ways to build your digital presence and attract more patients. Buckle up for another episode of Ignite. Welcome back to Ignite. I'm Alex Membrio, CEO of Cardinal, and we have our two SEO experts on the line today. We have many more here at Cardinal, but these are the most renowned SEO experts in the country. I don't care what anyone says. John McAlpin, our SEO director and the best technical SEO wizard. Check out John's LinkedIn and Twitter. He loves Twitter. I, I don't get it, but he does. John developed, he got tired of slow websites, so he developed his own theme on WordPress. The guy's a super wizard. Also joining us, Jacqueline Green. Hello. She's our associate director of SEO. For y'all's information on how good Jacqueline is at her job, the week started on Monday morning with a client's website down. They called us, blamed us. This is, we're not, not even hosting it. And within an hour, Jacqueline got it up and John helped him move it to a new website platform. That's how quick they move, even when it's not our fault. So big props to them. Jacqueline manages the team here. Every time a client has a question, I send it over to Jacqueline. And then they realize how smart we are slash she is. And then they want to be a client. But Jacqueline's so picky. It's hard. It's hard to be a client. Jacqueline, welcome to Ignite. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. We didn't ask me anything. And we got all kinds of questions for people that want to hear from y'all. So this is going to be fun. We got a question from Madison who works in an addiction treatment center. Madison asks, which makes a bigger impact, on-site or off-site SEO? What do you think, Jacqueline? So they both make a really big and important impact. But if you're thinking about what to start with, we always recommend starting with on-site, get your site in a good spot, create some really great content, and then the backlinks can come naturally. Always want to start with on-site um, and then you can kind of work from there. So as you're building your content, build backlinks along the way, but always have really good content to start with. Content is the backbone. And what do you think, John? Like, does technical matter? Do you do the technical stuff before our team goes and does all the on site content and keyword revisions and adding blogs, et cetera? It's chicken and an egg. You can have great content and links, but if your site's not crawlable, it doesn't mean anything. That being said, you could have great technical SEO, beautiful architecture, but if your content's not weak or you have really bad backlinks, then it doesn't mean anything. You, you need everything. You got to do it all. And I know we start with the technical. It's like building a house foundation. John, you probably love this. Like the technical stuff has become so important over the last couple of years. It used to be like, eh, just check the box. If it's fast, it's fast enough, whatever. Uh, but now like our rankings, my for Cardinal site, we've gotten crushed because I don't have you on it because the team won't let me use you. So that's, that's not fun. So technical, then on-site, and then we get to building links. John, I keep reading that. Peter asked. Peter asked. These are not my words. I keep reading that I need to build links. How do I actually get people to link to my website? Are they all like looked at the same as Google? Talking healthcare terms, like for a provider group, what's a relevant and easily achievable link to go get? Right away, if you have multiple providers or if you have like, say, start with your providers for your healthcare group, get directory links from like your, your health grades, your rate my MDs, get pro profiles set up for your providers that users can find. And for your locations, get directory set up. Use a tool like Yext or bright local, just get someone to like get yeah. all of your links and directories. That's step one. Now to get those high quality links, you got to re reverse engineer that question. It's why should someone link to you? Create that good content, figure out, create a resource, create studies, create 
something that someone can refer to or a patient guide, something that is worth linking to. If it ranks, then it gets naturally linked to. Do we use any tools to expedite link acquisition? Like, do they have to just do directories and yaks? It's great. What else? Give them the tricks. To actually reach out, I mean, like, really, it's, uh, there is outreach. You can't just like wait for people to link to you as much as Google wants us to just wait and not do it. But you do need to do some sort of outreach. And so okay. we use a number of tools looking at possibilities in the industry and looking at competitors, trying to find contact information. We use a, a fancy tool called Pitchbox to help manage this communication platform. And it's a really structured, tiered process of reaching out to people with follow-ups and making sure that reaching out to the right people and making we're getting make sure we're getting relevant links, not just any link, links that are in your industry. Right, known as digital PR, right? So it's online mm-hmm. public relations, getting get guest blog posts, uh, byline articles, all that kind of stuff. So you can submit your providers through Pitchbox for these kinds of articles. Also, I like help a reporter out. You can answer journalistic mm-hmm. queries, ask fun. We use Fat Joe for some guest blogging. Jacqueline, we got a question in here from Steve. Steve wants to know, how long does it take to get SEO results? It's just like five, five to seven days after you start an SEO program, right? It's, it's pretty when quick. When Jacqueline does it. <laughs> yeah, only if you work with Cardinal. Um, no, I think I'm going to give the, uh, the age-old SEO answer, which is it depends. Um, it can depend on your industry. It can depend on how competitive the terms you're going after are and who your competitors are and how many you know, backlinks they have, what kind of content they're working with. It can depend. But uh, when we talk to clients that we're onboarding, it can take between three and six months to start seeing some um, movement from SEO. Usually won't happen overnight. Usually give it at least a couple of months to start taking off. But if you've got a solid foundation, like you've got a good site already when you come to us and you've got some good content that we can work with, that makes it a lot easier to get those rankings up faster. Yeah. And then once you rank up there, you just stop, right? You fire your SEO company, good to go? No, don't do that. It's actually... One thing I always say to clients is they're always really taken aback when they have a lot of keyword movement way back in the SERPs, but they don't really pay attention to those one or two position movements on page one. But those are actually the hardest to control and the most important ones because it's what's really going to impact the through rate. So... If you're ranking in position two, be happy with that. But you have to keep working if you want to maintain that. And you have to work even harder if you want to move to position one. Yeah, that's a, that's the hardest thing to do is to move to number one. When I get to number two, I'm number two for healthcare marketing agency. Trying to get to number one takes so many links and something's out of your control. Google just likes something about the other site more than you. So it is you, it's not them kind of thing. Okay, very good. Let's pivot to multi-location questions. Mary wants to know, what's the best way, John, to display multiple locations for groups with locations across state? Should I use an interactive maps? And I guess she's asking for the on-website location. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. How do you display it and retain SEO equity? Yeah. So interactive maps are really fun for users. Now, people think about like this beautiful map that you can click on and move with. And that's really cool unless you live on the Northeast and which is like near impossible to click on anything unless you have fancy tooltips. And on mobile, it's like completely useless. But really the big thing to consider is, yeah, you can absolutely have these interactive maps with some few considerations. One is that they will hurt your load speed. And if you can sacrifice that, great, improve the user experience with an interactive map. But two is that make sure that 
These are actually links that Google can click on. If they click on an image, you can have alt text to help give context on what that image link is going to be. But really, hard HTML links are going to be important because otherwise, Google's not going to discover your location pages. Um, you can have them in your sitemap. We want links on the page. So if you're going to have an interactive sitemap, I suggest including some hard links somewhere else on the page so that if someone even has a browser that can't interact with the map or maybe is visually impaired and is using a, a screen reader, they can find those links there because that screen readers won't read those maps. So think about the disabled, think about Google and try to find some alternatives to accompany the map. Samantha has a question about GMB. She comes from a multi-location behavioral health clinic. Can you, John, clarify setting up GMB? Do I create a GMB listing for the location plus each provider? That's a age-old question. And um, I love that this is from a multi-location behavioral health clinic. That's my bread and butter. I personally and professionally believe that you should not create one for the providers as well, most of the time. Now, there will be some use cases where it makes sense. But for on the whole, I recommend don't because it can create cannibalization. But think about if you're really, really aggressive with your marketing and you're doing things like review outreach. Okay, so do you send reviews for the provider listing or the location? What if one provider already has a bunch of reviews and they're outranking the location and all the other providers? Really trying to support that is a marketing nightmare. And for users... It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense unless they're looking for a specific provider. How I get around that is I like to have just a GMB location for the provider, but then provider listings on your health directories, your your health grace, rate my ND, things like that, because those are going to show up too. So you want to be everywhere in the SERP. And when you're looking at healthcare, directories are going to dominate most of you and your competitors. So get on the directories and try to just have one location in GMB. So when someone goes looking for Dr. Johnson, if you don't claim that GMB and it's all jacked up from a previous practice they worked at, is that detrimental? Don't you want them all updated? So you can claim them. You can If they have great reviews and you're trying to merge them, you can merge the reviews or you can shut it down. But if they have great reviews, merge it. Merge it into what? The practice? The practice location, yeah. I didn't know you could do that. Uh, well, you have to work through Google support. You just fill out a ticket and say, hey, you know, you may have to require some kind of proof to say, hey, you know what, this provider got moved to this location. We're, they're now at this location and this is the primary. This is a, say, hey, the other one's a duplicate. This is the primary. Can you please merge the reviews and they'll process that. God, I wonder what the provider would think if they knew someone was doing it. I guess if it's in the, an independent practice, they wouldn't want it. If they're owners, if they're like provider owners, they probably don't want that. If they're employed, who cares? It only really makes sense if you're having multiple providers at a single location. If it's a single provider at a location, yeah, go for it. Have a provider-based so location. Right. Jacqueline, we got a lot of questions from the Shushman presentation that we gave on GMB. People having trouble getting things authorized in GMB. Tell them real quick, there's little tips and tricks that you told them. I thought that was really cool. Some of the insights you told them, the workarounds for GMB. Yeah. So John mentioned Google support a second ago. Um, and I would say when you're working with GMB in general, GMB support is going to be your friend. I think a lot of times Google will try to push you to the forums and community for support, but you can bypass that. So if you're having a hard time, especially with verification, which can be a huge pain, especially when you have a ton of locations that you have to verify through very antiquated postcard method, you can actually go straight to GMB support. 
and go through the process of um, asking online if you're able to verify in a different way. Typically, what will happen is they'll just ask you for a few pieces of proof like photos or a business card or a picture of someone working at your office. And then they will email you back. They will set up a, a video verification for you if they can't verify from the proof you submitted alone. And then you're able to just have a quick conversation with a Google rep, show them around your office, and they'll usually verify you within 24 hours. It's I don't think people know about it, but it's really easy and it's super accessible for anyone to do because you can send it to office managers, receptionists, different providers across the country, and they can all do it within a couple of days. That's crazy. And most people do not know about it or they wouldn't be emailing us. It's a little trick. And I'll give you, I'll give you this, Jacqueline. That's very smart. And it's better than Facebook support. We have a huge six-figure issue happening with them. And they just have bots respond to us. So Facebook, if you're listening to this, please send humans. Jacqueline, on a similar thread with GMB, can you provide some insight into how you actually structure your GMB listing when you have a bunch of providers? For any GMB listing, I honestly recommend not overcomplicating it. I think that people tend to over-optimize with GMB sometimes. and GMB is great because it is set up in a way that is uh, pretty intuitive. So use all of the fields that are there. Um, utilize services that you're able to add to represent exactly what you offer. Utilize the description to explain your services. Use those kind of keywords within there. And make sure that you're keeping it consistent between your GMB profile and your other listings and uh, presence on the internet. So with your website, for example, make sure that you're listing the provider's name the same way that you're listing it on your GMB. That will help you kind of maintain that consistency and almost teach Google who you are and help them to associate you with the correct listings that you have. So keep it consistent. Keep it pretty simple. Don't stuff with keywords. Don't overcomplicate. Just use the fields and you'll be good to go. Don't stuff with keywords. That goes against everything in my presentation last week at Shishman. But Jacqueline's right. Don't stuff it with keywords. I always say put the keyword in the title of GMB. But she's right. She's right. Don't do it. I will say sometimes it does work, but you still shouldn't do it because it can confuse Google in the long run. And if they see a bunch of different kind of naming conventions for one place, they might think that there are multiple places and you might end up with a bigger mess than you started with. So play it safe and yeah. stay by the rules if you can. So for yeah. people driving, when Jacqueline says, don't do this, she's nodding her head. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't want to put on your put on your GMB profile, Dr. Johnson, urgent care provider, because it's not going to be like that on Dr. Johnson's profile page on the website. That's what Jacqueline's getting at when she nods, but says something very different. All right. Very fun. John, I heard something fun at lunch with, with a, a great team this week. They've got a multi-location group, big group, big group, 200 plus locations. They're consulting with us, with them, the whole thing, fun little partnership. They're thinking about going with HubSpot as a website platform. I thought that was interesting. What do we usually do is WordPress, multi-site. What, what do you suggest for a uh, website platform for everybody out there? Long story short, I mean, I think WordPress is going to be your best bet for scalability. HubSpot has a lot of functionality. And I think people like it because it naturally syncs into their own CRM. That's what they're used to. And it has that WYSIWYG feel to it. And you can drag and drop. You get the, When you're building out a page, it looks exactly like that. But I think that it has its own technical issues that people don't think about or really even know about on, on the back end. And I think 
scaling it out, you can have much more cost-effective solutions going with WordPress. We have clients on HubSpot that do okay, but I'm just saying our WordPress clients do much better. Yeah, I think HubSpot is good when you need to deploy lots of landing pages or you want a similar backend. I don't know. They seem very keen on it. I want to see how it goes. All right, we've got uh, a question here. And I'm just going to go ahead and answer it. If your website's on Squarespace, yes, you should be on anything else but Squarespace. Jacqueline, if it's on Wix, should they also be on anything but Wix? I tend to agree with John that WordPress is the best. I have worked with clients on Wix and on Squarespace, and it is super easy to use. So if that's really, really important to you, that's valid, but you're going to have some issues with some pretty basic and more technical SEO down the line. So if it's just a two-page website and you're on Wix and you don't need SEO, keep it. But if you want to grow, I would recommend moving it. We've got a question from Nico here. Nico wants to know, we recently acquired another orthopedic practice in a neighboring city. How do I fold that brand Mr. John, how do I fold that brand into our website without losing their rankings and visibility on search? Is it just a bunch of 301 redirects? What are we doing? Folding in new brands, acquired brands is a multi-step process, even beyond SEO. My SEO considerations is, for one, make sure you get access to their analytics and search console and try to get some benchmark data for at least like three months. You'd be shocked how many acquired brands don't even have analytics or don't have goals set up or anything. So when you fold them in, you have no idea what to compare to. And they say, we're doing worse. And you're like, how, how do we know? How do we prove that? So try to get, before you merge them in, redirect their site, try to get at least three months of benchmark data. Now, let's say you already have the data. Say they've already like been tracking and they have this information. Great, we can hit the ground running. Uh, create some one-to-one redirects, meaning that try to find, if you have like a service page about orthopedics, try to find the most relevant page on the new site and redirect there. And once you have all of these redirects in place, you go to Search Console and they have something called a site migration. And it expedites that process and helps uh, Google understand, okay, this is a site merge and it merges all of that, all the rankings and index pages over to the new site. And that is one of the best ways to retain all of the previous SEO equity. I love it. Okay. So you you need all of the historics is what John is saying. Make sure you get all the data because the providers are going to come knocking when their brand evaporates from being acquired. So they're going to say, I used to get so many leads. So have all your numbers so that you can refute that when you do do your redirects that no, the leads are still there. The traffic's still there. We did it right. Here you go. John makes a very good point as usual. Jacqueline, quick fire here. Best free tool for SEO? My favorite free tool for SEO is Google um, because you can see exactly who is ranking for the terms that you want to rank for. And you can see relevant content opportunities that the people also ask. You can see your local competitors. You can see your national competitors. Google what you would search for if you're looking for what you provide. Just start there. Um, That's my favorite free tool. What's the best paid tool? I really like SEMrush as a paid tool. I do like Moz as well for backlink research. But when it comes to keyword research, I love SEMrush. I love the functionality. It also allows you to use kind of some lightweight crawl features as well. So you can see a bit into the technical side of your SEO um, as well as the keyword side. So I think it's a pretty good comprehensive tool and I use it for all my clients. Yeah, yeah. I love SEMrush too. 
John, I remember when you spoke last in Dallas, the people that were there from that company trying to brand it as SEMrush. I'm sorry, but it's search engine marketing. We've been calling it SEM. You named your company the wrong thing. It is the best tool in the books. Jacqueline's right, but the SEMrush thing is never going to fly, right? John, we got a question from Rachel who works in behavioral health. What are some of the things to look into before I hire an SEO expert for my website? How do we stay away from the snake oil salesman? You know, ask the tough questions. You know, don't be afraid to ask tough questions. And my best advice is go with your gut. If something feels off and you just have something about you just doesn't have that level of trust, go with your gut. I know whenever I talk to new clients or from a sales meeting, my sales tactic is to be as honest and upfront as possible. Don't try to oversell or undersell and just tell them exactly how it is. Try to back it up with proof, examples, and things like that. I mean, years experience is helpful, but really go with your gut. Ask tough questions. Look at there's a million articles about what to ask your SEO expert. Look at them, make a list. Just ask the tough questions and and see what they say. Relevant experience, right? Ask for the case studies, talk to previous clients. Don't trust the guy that's balding. Uh, just make sure they've worked with similar clients, right? That's the okay. number one thing. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. Why. I mean, absolutely. Case studies are huge. I mean, they don't have case studies or if their case studies are super generic and not specific to actual similar goals. That's not the right person. All right. I like it. Jacqueline, one final, final question. What's the coolest thing that's happened to SEO in the last 12 months? There's so much changing in SEO every day. It's impossible to pinpoint one major update that's going to rock any website's world. SEO is an always evolving field. And it's so fun just to see the minute changes happening every single day. It is so fun. It is my favorite part of digital marketing too. It's a constant enigma. We never solve it. It can't be, it never is done. And so if you're looking for a new gig, solving puzzles every day, check out the Cardinal LinkedIn jobs postings and you can join Jacqueline's team working on enigmas, giving politically correct answers. John and Jacqueline, this was a blast. We're going to do another Ask Me Anything soon. If you want to watch John's speeches that he's about to give. Check out his LinkedIn and Twitter. Like I said, very important. If you want to talk to Jacqueline about anything, reach out to us and we'll get you answered. Don't feel like this is the last time you can ask a cardinal anything you want. Jacqueline, John, thank you for joining me. This is as good as J&J gets in Atlanta. Thank you for joining us. Thanks. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ignite. Interested in keeping up with the latest trends in healthcare marketing? Subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review. For more healthcare marketing tips, visit our blog at cardinaldigitalmarketing.com.